bought by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you today for what you have done for us. Hallelujah. 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 We give you praise and give you glory today in the matchless name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you join me one more time and just give him the ovation of the morning and give him your praise. Thank you, God. I bless you and praise you today, God. Hallelujah. You are a glorious God. You are a glorious God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise God. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. I so said, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. When we worship God, God goes to work. He'll minister for us and he'll do something, amen, in a millisecond of your worship that you can't do all of your life. Amen. But in the midst of your praise, in the midst of your worship, what you can never accomplish on your own, God will do it for you. Hallelujah. If we only knew the power of praise, we would not be quiet, but we would bless him and give him glory all of the time. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord on today. Amen. Amen. Well, I have good news. There's great days ahead for God's church. Amen. Great days ahead for God's church. Amen. As we know, and as said on Wednesday evening, know that the, um, the election has taken place and some people put their hope in horses and others in chariots, but I put my trust in the name of the Lord. And uh, he always provides, and it doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat, Tea Party, Independent, uh, it, all of those things. Yes, we have our preferences because the Bible says that when the wicked are in authority, the people mourn. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. I like rejoicing better than I do mourning. Amen. Praise God. But we understand as well that the heart of the king is in the hand of God. And he turns it how he wills. And so on today, it isn't a time for the church to, to um, mourn because we uh, have seen leaders put into place that do not line up with our moral values but I submit to you today that it is time for the church to get ready because a great harvest is coming to the house of God. A great harvest is coming to the kingdom in America. And God is going to use these individuals to bring about a real radical change in our land. And we as the church must be prepared to reap the harvest that is coming in in these next years. Amen. And so today I want to talk to you. Uh, about we started last week talking about the blessed life. We talked about the spirit, amen, of mammon, the spirit of mammon. Today, I want to talk to you about the happy life. Amen. Don't worry. Be happy. I don't know. I just felt like singing that all week. Don't worry. Be happy. Just the happy life. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 35, it says, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. That word there in the Greek, the word blessed there in the Greek means happy. So Jesus' message to us is 
that he wants us to learn how to be happy. Amen. And to learn how to receive happy. The blessed life is not about getting stuff. It's about, and it's not about to get or to give to get, but it's rather about getting to be able to give. Amen. We will never be more like God than when we develop an attitude of giving and we're happy doing it. Not only will we be happy, but God will be happy. And you that have children, you think about Christmas time. You think about giving of the gifts and all of those things. It's nice to get a gift, right? All right, I'll remember all you stooges. I said, it is nice to get a gift, right? You know, to be appreciated and all of that is wonderful. But that isn't the focus for adults. It isn't, you know, the focus for somebody that's an adult. Whenever you become a parent, as a father, I can relate that it is being able to fulfill the expectations of my children. And to watch that smile come on their face. And the joy that it brings to them brings me joy. Amen. Uh, They receive the gift, but I get the joy and the fulfillment from being able to give them that gift. And that's the way it is when we give in the kingdom of God. It meets the need of hurting humanity, but they receive the message that brings real change to their life. But God gives us the joy of being able to be the messenger or to send the message that is able to set them free. And I want to look here today in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1, it starts. And this blessed series, talking about it, going into our Thanksgiving time. I just want to uh, push in on this just a little bit here and take this scripture in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 1. It said, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Of course he was. He was a tax collector. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. I'm sorry. For he was short in stature, and he ran ahead and climbed up the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I can't help it. It's just in me. For he was going to pass that way, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. Say joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. 
For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Now, Zacchaeus makes two statements that I want to look at today, and then we'll base our two points for today. I don't, I told the prayer team this morning, I don't have three points, I only got two points and don't even have a poem. So y'all might get out before noon today. Zacchaeus makes this statement. He said, I will give half of my goods to the poor. The Greek word for goods means possessions and property. He said, I'm going to give half of my possessions and property to the poor. He's not just talking about money, but he's talking about everything that I own. He said, I'm going to give it away. Wow. Then he says, if I have taken more than I should have, I will restore the rest fourfold. These two statements reveal, number one, his action, and number two, his attitude. How many know you can do the right thing with the wrong attitude? And you don't get anything accomplished. It takes these two, and these two is his action and his attitude. The action of giving. When you look at the Bible, it is obvious that God is the subject of the Bible. Amen? In the beginning, God. When you finish up, it's before it says amen, it says that God, amen, is still in the earth. He is still in control. And so from the beginning to the end, the whole Bible is the subject of God. God is the one that is doing the action. And so we are the subject of the Bible, which is cool because that means that we are the recipients or we receive what from what God is doing. And so if God is doing an action, the question becomes, what is the action? And I believe that the action is give, give or giving or gave. For John 3, 16 said, for God so loved, that's his motive, that he loved. He had a right motive, right? For he did did this because he loved that he gave. Amen. We're here today because... God gave his son. Amen. Where would you be today if it had not been for God giving? Where would you be if it were for him giving his son? You might not even be alive right now. Amen. But he gave his son so that we can have salvation. We are here today because we gave our lives to God. More importantly, we are here right now because we we gave this day to God. Amen. It's all about giving. Marriage is about giving. If you don't believe that, just get married. (laughs) Amen. A successful marriage is when two giving people come together and give to one another. Amen. And as they give to each other, it is a, a successful relationship. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about giving our lives to God giving our love to God, giving everything that we have to a loving God. Why? Because God gave everything that he had. So why should we withhold from such a loving God? I believe we should reciprocate that kind of giving in our lives that whatever he requires of us, it will not be too much. But we will say, here we are, Lord, use us. Amen. 
I'm not just talking about money, but it includes money. Because in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, it said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures in, on earth where the moth and the rust destroy, where the thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither the moth nor the rust destroy and where the thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure here in the Greek word means money. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the question that I want to ask today, and it's not to be demeaning by any means, I just want to ask you the question, where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Where is most of your treasure at? Is it in home? Is it in stock? Is it in property? Because wherever the most treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Your heart will follow your treasure. If you want your heart to be in something or somewhere, then just put your treasure there and your heart will follow it. No one watches a stock that they don't have an investment in. But I promise you, if you invest in a stock, you'll get it on the computer, you'll get it on your phone, and you'll begin to watch that stock every day, if not two or three times a day. Because you have an investment in that stock. Amen. Some people say, I just don't have a heart for missions. Well, put your treasure there and that'll change. I used to say to God, God, I'll do anything you want me to do, but I don't want to do mission work. I'll preach anywhere you want me to go except across the waters. I'll do anything you want me to do in America. But it was whenever I began to put investment in the nations that my heart began to cry out for the nations. It's because I've invested much in missions that I love missions today. And I've got a lot invested there. Amen. I get frustrated when people talk about the church like it's nothing. And treat it with such disrespect. I don't understand why people won't, will not give themselves and serve the church. It's, it's frustrating to me. Why? Because I have more treasure in the church than I've got in anything by far in this world. I've got more invested in the kingdom today than I do in the stock. Do I, than I do in homes than I do because I have given everything and my whole life for these past 30 years has been solely invested. I don't have a plan B. Amen. I don't have a plan B. All I have is this investment that I have made in the kingdom of God. And I do not regret it one bit. But because I have such a great investment there, it is also my heart is so strong toward God's church that I don't understand when people withhold themselves and won't invest themselves in the church. Amen. That's the reason why that we have so many different ministry teams. It's so that people can invest in the kingdom. 
Well, pastor, I just don't feel led. Well, I got a message for you. Get the lead out. Amen. Get the lead out. And make an investment in the church. It's easy to complain about something when you don't have nothing invested in it. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're letting on right up in here now. Amen. It's easy to complain about something when you don't have anything invested in it. But when you become a part of it, come on somebody, and it becomes valuable to you, then suddenly you've got an investment. You you have invested in this thing, whatever it is, if it's a church, if it's in what you're working in, just imagine you working on a project for months or even years only for someone to come and criticize all of the hard labor. They don't know the investment of the time, the talent, and the treasure that you've placed into this, this thing. And they come and they begin to criticize and condemn what you have worked years to get accomplished. And so it is true in every area. It's not just the church. But when you have an, a genuine investment in something, you will, you will, it will take you a long time before you can find the courage to criticize what you've been working on. You see, you can talk to anyone here, and I promise you, that whatever ministry you're involved in, you will have a strong conviction that it is the most important ministry in this church. Why? Because that's where your investment is. If it's in benevolence, if it's in student ministry, if it's in children's ministry, if it's in whatever, the seven teams, wherever you invest in, that's going to be where your heart is. Amen? And then... He says something. He says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, I haven't unfolded all of this, but it leads me to believe that my works here on earth, my investment here on earth in the kingdom of God is going to have something to do with my reward in heaven. It has nothing to do with my salvation but it has everything to do with my reward. Are you following me? And so as I invest in the kingdom of God, I am laying up for myself treasures, rewards in heaven. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want a crown with no rubies in it. And I don't even want no generic rubies. Come on. But I want some stars. Y'all quiet today. I'm having some fun. Amen. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where the rust and the moth and the thieves cannot take away. Amen. God didn't say we need your treasure up here because we're getting ready to pave the golden street in front of your home and we're running a little bit short. And we need you to send up some money so that we can finish paving the road in front of your house. (laughs) Amen. He didn't say that at all. There is no lack in heaven. Therefore, the reason in which he would have me to give is so that he can transfer what is in heaven into my life. Amen. And so there is an action of giving. 
Zacchaeus met Jesus and immediately he gets this kingdom perspective and begins to lay up for himself treasures in heaven. Amen. And then we come to the attitude of giving. The attitude of giving. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 6 it said, And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Amen. Matthew 10 and verse 8 and and part B of that scripture said, Freely you received, freely give. Zacchaeus joyfully received Jesus. He was excited about what was about to, uh, he was about to give. And the reason that he could give so joyfully is because he received joyfully. All of us struggle in this area of giving at some time or another in our lives if we're truthful about it. Amen. Uh, You're struggling not with giving, but you're struggling with receiving. Let me say that again. Your struggle is not with your giving. Your struggling is with your receiving. If you have difficulty giving joyfully, it is because you have difficulty receiving joyfully. Because if you have different uh, difficulty in freely uh, receiving, you're going to have difficulty in freely giving. And much of this goes back to people being raised up in legalistic churches. And we don't feel that we receive God's grace freely. We felt like we had to earn it. Amen. And we had to do something to get it. And now that we've earned it and we got it, we've got to protect it. We've got to hold on to it. And then we feel we earned that money and we've got to hold on to it for a rainy day. Amen. Even if you work hard and you should for what you have, it's God's blessing that gave it to you. It's God's blessing, not your work that has caused you to have every single thing that you now have. You can plow the ground all day long, but if God doesn't send the rain, you're not going to have any harvest. So I must understand, yes, I work hard, but God is the one that puts his blessing upon me. When we understand that the blessing that we have are not because of our hard work, but rather because of God's blessing that he gave to us, then we can freely, we have received, so freely we now give. Amen. You see, it is a great joy to be able to give. I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been in a place of lack and I've been in a place of blessing. Amen. It's more joy to be able to give things away than it is to need something. Amen. The Lord has has blessed us at times past to be able to give things away that people needed desperately. Renee and I, and, and, and I'm thankful for that and was honored and grateful to be able to do that in people's lives and make a difference in their life. But it wasn't that it hard to give because it came freely. God gave me the ability and Renee and I the ability to be able to receive those things into our life. So freely we're able to give it to others. 
Amen. I know it doesn't matter how I present the message of giving. There will always be a a wrong attitude. There will always be a wrong spirit that says, well, he's just trying to raise money. Someone asked me, said, don't you get upset when people uh, say things like that? No, I really feel sorry for them. Because they're spiritually blind and they have chosen to listen to the enemy and not the word of God. See, I'm not a slick willy from TV trying to get your money. I'm not a hireling. I'm a pastor that is watching out for your soul. Amen. And while I am grateful for the way the Lord takes care of our family, you are not my source. I just want you to understand that. I am very grateful for everything, but you are not my source. God is our source. And he takes care of all of us. That isn't just pastor. That's every single one of us. The day that you begin to think that that the stock market or your job is your source, God will let you know quickly that is not your source. Amen. I'm not out to get your money. I'm out to get you blessed. Because I like happy people. I like joyful people. And the truth of it is, is we're doing financially better in this church today than we've ever done in this, in this church. And we're doing more ministry today than we've ever done in this church. And every week we give you the opportunity to give into this ministry and lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, whether you do that or not is not going to determine whether we continue to do ministry or not. Amen. It's not going to affect this church one bit. What it's going to affect is you. The difference is not going to be in the church. The difference is that you will not have a part in what God is doing in the earth concerning the church. Amen. And whenever I preach on giving... I do it for the same reason that I preach on everything else. If I preach on marriage, if I preach on forgiveness, I preach on healing, I preach on prayer. It's the same reason I preach on on giving is because it is in the Bible and because it's God's word. And it will help you. And anyone who really knows me knows that's the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and said, he said he's almost done. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth here. And he ties grace with giving. Paul asked them in chapter 9, am I the only man who is going to war at his own expense? In other words... He said, you haven't been supporting mission outreach like you said you were going to support it. He said, I have done my part in going to the nations. I've done my part in going to these different places. But you haven't done your part in supporting and doing what you said you were going to do. And Paul said, and that's not right. 
And they write back and tell Paul, the reason that we haven't done our part is because we are in a recession. And Paul writes them back and says, I know you're in a recession, but Macedonian is in a greater recession. And they gave freely what they said they were going to give a year ago. And it's been a year and you still haven't give what you said you were going to give. Wouldn't you like to have Brother Paul for a pastor? He goes on to teach them that this is God's grace in your life. And we, when you have God's grace, you will be a giver. In other words, Paul said, it don't have nothing to do with the recession. What the problem is, is you have a heart problem. And you don't understand grace. But whenever you understand grace, Corinth, you will give no matter what the economy is doing. In chapter 8 and verse 7, he says, As you abound in everything, in faith and words and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. He is talking about the grace of giving. We don't give because we have to. We give because of grace. Now, let me, let me say it this way. How would you feel if your spouse came in and told you, I'm not going to cheat on you because it's against the law and I promised that I'd be faithful to you? What that really means is, I want to cheat on you, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be faithful to you, but I want to cheat on you. But what about, I'm going to be faithful because I love you. Not because I said I do. Not because I'm wearing a ring on my finger. Not because I'm afraid what people might say about me. But because of grace, because I love you. You don't have to worry about me because I'm madly and frantically in love with you. I'm passionately in love with you. And there is no way in this world that I would ever sabotage the relationship that I have with you. We don't have to give. We give because we love. Chapter 9 says, let every man give as he purposes in his heart. This talk is talking about the attitude of giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful translates hilarious. Amen. Have you ever had the Lord speak to you to give and it was hilarious? I may have shared this, I may have not, but I remember as a young evangelist and uh, just getting started and, and uh, I haven't always had cars that run properly. And the first car that I had was a 76 Nova 
and uh, the floorboard was out of it. And I borrowed a stop sign. It was laying on the ground. And I put that in the floorboard. But whenever you would hit a good mud hole, it would come up around the sides. And, and how many know you can't go into church cool whenever you got mud all up and down your legs? I mean, it just wasn't cool at all. But the Lord taught me during those days how to be faithful. Because if, as I said last week, if he can't trust you with a dollar, how's he going to trust you with a hundred dollars? And I remember arguing with the Lord one day. I, I went to, to this church just to be in service. I, I wasn't going to preach, wasn't going to do anything, just going there to worship. And, and as the offering time came, pastor, he didn't put any, uh, you know, he didn't do a whole bunch of stuff or anything, just shared principles of giving. And I had two things in my pocket. I had a five and I had a 50. And I was going to put that five in there. And me and the Holy Ghost got in a fight right there up in the church. And he said, give that 50. And I said, uh-uh, mm-mm, glory, the, the devil is a liar. I ain't giving no 50. All I have is $5, and then maybe somebody want to go out and eat afterwards. And I know as big as I am, I need more than $5 to eat. And I argued with him until the plate come around, and I got so nervous, I just put that $50 in there. I put it all in there, 50 I put $55 in there. I put it all in there. I said, if I'm going to be broke, I'm just going to be slap broke. And I probably didn't have the right attitude. But can I tell you that God honored it anyways? And I wasn't even there to preach, didn't. But before I left that church that night, a man walks up and gives me one of those holy handshakes. Y'all don't know what those are, huh? They don't get them very much anymore. But whenever he shook my hand, I sensed there was something in it. And I said, glory to God. And I just put it in my pocket. And I went back out there to that 76 and over, got in it. And on my way home, and I got to a restaurant and looked. And, and he had put two $100 bills in my hand. That may not be much to you, but to a 17-year-old boy that was just trying to make things meet the ends, I'm telling you, I rejoiced, and it taught me a principle that if you will be faithful in little, God will bless you in much. And so we have to be joyful. Our giving time should not be a downer in service. It should be hilarious. It ought to be, ha, ha, praise God, I've got something to give today. Amen. It ought to be exciting. Amen. And I want to create a culture in this house where that you look weird if you don't get excited about giving. Is that all right? Amen. I, I believe you ought to you ought to have joy in being able to give. Not, well, we're going to have to give, but they're going to have to turn the lights off. Don't make me break out my Greek word. I, I've got messages from some of y'all liked that Greek word last week, didn't you? Baloney. Amen. It ain't about us giving so we can hold the fort till he comes. It's about giving so that we lay up treasures in heaven and God can reciprocate it back. And I don't give to get. I give because I love. But because I love, he gives back to me. 
pressed down, shaken together, and running over in my life. Amen. And so as we give, I want us to create an atmosphere of excitement and expectancy because we are anticipating the blessings of God coming back into our life in a greater measure than what we have released. Amen. I want us to rejoice when it comes to our time of giving. Let God know you're thankful for giving to us so that we can joyfully give back to him. Amen. Amen. Pastor Matt, if you can help me today. You know what the greatest gift is that you can give to God? The greatest gift that God ever gave was his son, Jesus Christ. And the greatest gift that you can give back to God is your life. If you have not given your life to Christ, then today you need to do that. You need to give your heart to him because he gave his very best so you would not have to die lost and spend eternity separated from him. But he gave freely his son so that you and so that I can have life and have it more abundantly. Enjoy this journey. And so if you're here today and you have yet to give that, the greatest gift that you can ever give, if you have yet to give your life to him, I want to challenge you today to start this happy life, this blessed life, by accepting him as your Savior and your Lord today. And as you do, you will receive the gift of eternal life. And when you receive that gift of eternal life, you will be able to live life to its fullest. The truth of it is, is you will never be able to live life to its fullest until you have given your life to him. And then you begin to live a joy-filled life. Would you stand with me today?